Welcome to the latest edition of the Love Sport Podcast. I'm Paul, your host, joined by co-hosts John and Pete. We'll talk EPL. We'll talk about our jersey brackets. Thanks for all your input there. We'll talk NFL. We'll talk all things sport. May even uh, touch on a bit of ashes just to rub it into John. This is the Love Sport Podcast. Okay. Welcome to a pre-Christmas edition. Not We could call it a pre-pre-Christmas edition of the Love Sport Podcast. I've got my wonderful co-hosts, Super John and Super Pete on board. Hey, hey. Good morning. Great to be here. We've got one person with a, a you know potential lockjaw issue and one person with a potential lockjaw issue for meeting. So we'll let you guess uh, which one that is. And I just get lockjaw from talking too much. Boys, been a lot of cricket going on. And before we get into the day-night ashes, which is amazing with a pink ball at the greatest ground in Australian sport, the Adelaide Oval, um, we do need to talk about a, a bit of uh, English Premier League. And uh, we've seen a few recent results that have uh, surprised a few people. And let's start off with Leeds getting humiliated 7-0. Mate, it's a great place to be able to start things off because, in a way, I don't really think it was too surprising that Leeds lost. I think that it was surprising that it became like that schoolyard type of a scoreline. But Leeds have been really struggling with injuries, with suspensions, with Players just not really performing. And they've had so many issues that we're almost getting at the point where I wouldn't be too surprised if Marcelo Biesla came out in, you know, two or three weeks' time and just basically would say, you know what, I am potentially going to fall on my own sword and walk away. I've taken the project as far as I could because it feels like the players are quite tired and lethargic. And they're really struggling at the moment. Um, I don't think it will happen, but it's definitely on the cards as potential. But in terms of Manchester City, the fact that six different goal scorers across the seven goals, um, a return to form for Kevin De Bruyne, who's been incredibly quiet, I would say, for most of this season. Finally, he he pops up with two goals of his own. Uh, Jack Grealish has come out and basically said Phil Foden will be considered one of the best English footballers uh, of recent times. Um, the fact wait, wait, that... can we just stop there? So one of the great football brains in Jack Grealish, and sorry yes. to bag him out, has, has oh. made that statement. That's, uh, oh, I'm blown away. Um, that, yeah. That's, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, sorry, that's me, a bit of, bit of tears there, people. But uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, uh, but, yeah, look, 7-0, sensational performance from City. And, and, and it just really shows... This is why they're top of the table. This is why they're still considered favourites for the title is because of how consistent they are and how dominant and ruthless that they are. I mean, will goal difference come down to it? Potentially with how tight the teams are up top, um, City's goal difference is going to blow everyone away if it comes down to that last game of the year. Yeah, it, it definitely will. Like, if you think about... Uh, the number of goals that they've scored so far. Like, Manchester City at the moment, they've scored 40. Liverpool have scored 45, though. Liverpool currently have a better goal difference. They've got plus 33 as opposed to Manchester City's plus 31. So, you know, there is that slight advantage there, and you can understand why Manchester City were more than happy to keep piling the goals on top of each other. But... Yeah, it, it, it could come down to, you know, it could come down to the wire come the end of the season. It could come down to, you know, 
points. It could come down to the goal difference. It could come down to the goals being scored. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I think well, also have- talking about cup differences is going to have a lot to say at the other end of the table where most of my interest is, yeah. along with Leeds at this point, obviously. And they get sprung like that. Their goal difference goes to minus 15. We're minus 7. A lot of people have decided that Newcastle, Norwich and Newcastle are going down um, because the previous history of the points to get out of relegation is indicative of that. However, when I look around the bottom 12, say the bottom 14, right, right up to Everton who are on 18 points, I look at that and go, you know what? Hmm. If we buy smartly in the transfer window that's coming up and we get a defence, we've only got to put together four wins in a row to actually dig ourselves up to, you know, 10th spot. I do know what you're saying there, but I look at teams like my own and there's no way Villa's getting drawn into the relegation battle, mate. There's some teams who have buying power in January. To number 12. I said to 13. I apologise, but uh, one, one magic win and you're away, and that's kind of the way it goes. Like so, all we'll I'm play, saying that we'll, I can see you've got to have hope, and hope yeah, is there for us. I'd we'll rather be us than Will players come to Newcastle in the January transfer window for money? Yeah, yeah. When was the Perhaps. last time people turned down money? Uh, yeah, but you also have to think about the quality of the player who is potentially coming across, like. That the, who they're linked with at the moment, you've got Deli Alley from Tottenham, who who is potentially coming across to Newcastle, who's been you know advertised as uh, probably their their number one target at the moment. Uh, you have to kind of question: is Deli Alley the type of a player that Newcastle really want or need? Uh, is he going to set the, like? Is he going to be the savior? No, the strong word is that they're targeting people. So they are going to target down in the in the defence. I don't think we'd know who they're dealing with right now. Um, no, no. So, I mean, it's the same as the manager, isn't it? All the different people that was going to be in management. But, you know, I, I tell you what, you only need – Pete, you're a pretty savvy coach. One or two, three changes max is all you can really hope to do to keep the team gelling. And um, whilst we can still score up front, which I believe we can, if we can start to plug the goals at the back – we got a chance. I wouldn't want to be going backwards when we actually if, – if there's a team that's starting to go up and down on the spot, say a Southampton or a Leeds or a Watford, yep. come um, the, the, the transfer window, no one's going to them, but they will come to the richest club on the planet. True. Yeah, true, true. Um, look, I want to give credit to a team that um, their own supporters slated and wanted the manager gone. And, and going back through previous podcasts, we – Pete – Pete had been more upbeat about it than some of us, but I watched Arsenal take on West Ham today and take the red card out of it for a moment if we can. Arsenal were fantastic and, and probably deserved to win that game 3 or 4-0. Um, West Ham were, were serviceable, but Arsenal were... They, they're looking like a European yeah. spot. Aubameyang's available, we'll have him. Uh, yes, well, true, but uh, he he could be a vil- you never know he could be a villain man in January from uh, a few reports. So we'll see what happens there. We're well, a club look, on the rise. Uh, We're a club on the rise. With, with Arsenal, um, to mention it, them there, like a, a lot of attention has to really go towards the the manager. Like, yeah, what Arteta is really doing at the moment, he, he's. It's a really interesting cultural change that he's brought into this side. And we, we think about when he first signed on as the coach of the side, uh, his 
team looked lost. They didn't really know what they were trying to achieve. He was trying to implement kind of too much at, at one time and, and everyone didn't really click. Uh, but now we can start to see the shift and what he's really trying to put in place. Um, like, you, you don't want to put the pressure on him and say it's it's almost like the Arsene Wenger revolution in terms of what he's uh, the standard that he's trying to set the the way he wants his players to act at different times the way he wants to achieve the, certain things mm. like things are really starting to kick into gear for this Arsenal side and, and it's interesting because this is a team who. If you ask me at the start of the season, where should they finish? They're probably going to be about seventh or eighth on the table. Yep. And, and the fact that, you know, they've only scored 23 goals. They've conceded 22. Like, they're not going to be, you know, your world-beater teams. But quietly and consistently, they're climbing their way up the table. And today, we get to see them sitting on four. Um, well, and, and they should be absolutely chuffed with that. Well, mate, one of the um, players that I think's really made a difference at Arsenal, and he was um, one of our transfer targets because we love the dual name, you know, like Smith Rose and Ward Prowses and all that. Smith Rowe, um, I don't think there's any surprise that Arsenal's recent upturn in form has also seen Smith Rowe get a bit of a free roll, and and opposition don't know if to to man him up or to mark the space because he's playing very good football right he's now. He's a to watch. He's one of my favourite players of the That's a great call, Paul, because I, I was speaking to um, the gaffer the other day, and I nominated Smith Rowe as a player that I think has been one of my favourite sports people so far this year to watch. That's a great call. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and look, isn't it funny, the football world, that only a few months ago, he was the target of a number of clubs. Um, so, you know, good on that, him for staying because he was that, offered big money. That side attack of Arsenal when it just comes, when they just come raiding down the left side, is is well, well, it destroyed us um, yep. very quickly inside about two minutes before um, the, they suffered a major injury. But he he's a he's a little magician. Um, yeah, so very good. Well, the other game this morning, which I can't believe I watched and I did watch, uh, was Brighton and Wolves. And you were talking about teams that potentially. Um, could slip into your area um, and be one of the teams that could be in big trouble. And I think Brighton, after an amazing start in the season, they have got all sorts of wobbles. They looked tired from the start. They looked uh, – they did have a bit of – sorry, I apologise. They did start brightly and tired very quickly. And they look like a team already with, you know, 20 games to go or 22 games to go. They look like a team already running out of legs. Well, you just have to look at their recent form. So in the last five games, they've had three draws and two losses. Uh, if that doesn't set the tone on itself, it, then, you know, uh, it's an interesting one. They've scored twice in the last five games. Yep. Uh, now, this is so interesting because Brighton and Hove being coached by Graham Potter and the squad that they have, you instantly should be saying, oh, mate, they're a tenth. Like, they're a quality mid-table type of a team. They should yep. be quietly consistent. Like, this is the rhythm that they set. But unfortunately for them, things aren't getting any easier because their next game that they play is against Manchester United at Old Trafford. Yep. Then they have to try and take on Brentford, who are sensational form. Then they have to take on Chelsea. Like, uh, uh, the, the, and- the next time that Brighton could potentially get a point, for me, is probably going to be against Everton 
or even further down the table, we, we look at Leicester at the end of January. Well, I, tell you, I, I think they're in big, big trouble. Um, a team that I was really surprised about this year has been evident. I, I really thought they'd be pushing for seventh or eighth. They are really floundering as well. They're just conceding goals nonstop. And they've lost last, uh, I think they've lost four out of their last five. So we're seeing some teams, you know, start well and really start to flounder already. And that's that's a scary prospect. A good prospect for you, John. Because Pete, um, how, do you, how do you think you handle a guy like Richarlison, uh, like with that, mm. at that full large Brazilian attitude to a guy like Benitez, and 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 he's the kind of guy to me who can literally unfurl your entire club in about five minutes. Oh, he absolutely can. But like, he's one of those guys that you know, um, like a little kid, you put on a piece of string kind of style, so you let him run, and then you like ran him back in. You let him run, you reel him back in. Like that's kind of what you need to do with Rich Allison. You need to give him enough space to be his creative and his innovative self. But at the same time, you need to make sure that he's still on the leash and that you can say, Oi, sort things out because we need you to do this at this time. And it's mm. a, it's an interesting dynamic because I don't think that that's happening at Everton. I don't think Benitez has that rope on him at the moment. He's kind of just gone, we know how good you can be. So just do what you need to do without saying, this is where you need to be if you're going to be helpful for us. Because the thing is, Rich Allison's such a great attacking player that you, you need to give him freedom, but you also need to make sure that he knows exactly what his role is going to be to be as helpful as possible for the rest of the squad. Yep, yep, very good call. Guys, um, look, we've still got a really busy period of uh, Premier League coming up. We've still got games over the next few days. So it's great if you're at home from holidays and wanting to watch football early in the morning. Um, we've had our Champions League draw with a bit of a, should I say a bit of a debacle? Or it was a debacle? The actual oh, draw look, itself. A bit of chaos. This is what happens when, um, as UEFA say, external provider issues um, <laughs> come into play. So, you know, this, this is one of those uh, weird little ones where you draw a name out of a hat and you go, oh, you're not meant to play against this team, but we'll just continue the draw as is. Um, look, it, 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 it does happen. There are always going to be some issues with the draw. It would have been better, I feel, that if they had done the draw and then as soon as they realised where the error was, that they sorted things out at there and then rather than redoing the whole draw altogether. Um, I think that Chelsea were obviously the happiest. They, they ended up playing, uh, getting Lil in both uh, draws, so they'll be absolutely chuffed with that one. It sets up a great battle between Paris Saint-Germain and Real Madrid, uh, so a great opportunity for Sergio Ramos uh, to you know, play for Paris Saint-Germain and potentially knock out a Real Madrid side. Uh, I'm yeah. very much looking forward to that. It's and it will be one of the first that. opportunities in a long time for Liverpool to go to the San Siro and, and take on the likes of Internationale. Yeah, that's going to be a great one. Uh, and uh, Ramos is really, he was quite, you know, um, humble and quiet about taking on Real Madrid, I thought. Um, anyway. Oh, Louis, was... yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's not going to, uh, you know, take a full page out of it, a, a, a newspaper or anything like that to be able to, you know, promote himself by any means. Like, nor is he going to do 
as many interviews as humanly possible wearing his Paris Saint-Germain gear talking about how much he loves Paris Saint-Germain at the moment. Like, that, that, that's not in his nature by any means, is it? I'm not going to get his accent right at all, okay? This is completely wrong. But you can imagine him on a Wednesday or Thursday night going, I have taken out the bins. Like, he's just he, – I think he'd promote anything. There's hang on, a, hang on. But th- that sounded like he'd just come from the docks in Buenos Aires. Well, he, that's where he could be next. <laughs> I, 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 you've caught me unawares there. With Paul, was that you? <laughs> um, maybe. Uh, wow. Very good. Uh, the one I'm looking forward to is Atletico versus Man U because I, I, I've got a soft spot for Atletico and I think they can do over this Man U side, home and away. Oh, mate, this is going to be a fun one because it will be can Diego Simeone bore everyone to sleep Whilst yep, Manchester okay. United try and take on the world with the Ralph Ragnarok revolution, uh, it, it, this it, this will be an interesting battle. Um, I think that you've identified a really good key matchup between two great sides, uh, and it'll be really interesting to see you know what this lineup currently looks like, especially when they do do the return leg at Old Trafford. But yeah. Um, I personally think that match of the round is actually going to be Benfica against Ajax. Ajax. Yeah, that's that's going to be good. That it's going to kind of, is going to be fun. It's going to slip under the radar a little bit for the you know the big sporting agencies around the world, but for those who love the world game, I think that's going to be I think that's going to be a good one. Could see plenty of goals in that one. So if you're on a, if you're a punter and you want over goals, uh, Benfica Ajax might be the way to go because I don't think they're going to um, be backwards and going forwards. So look, Champions League. Round of 16, when we get down to the quarters and semis, we'll do more of a full review. Um, guys, we're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, we're going to do our jersey bracket, get an update on that because we're getting down to the uh, the finer edge. Just a quick uh, break in the show to say that the Love Sport podcast is on Facebook and Twitter. And we also have a Love uh, Sport podcast group as well, which we'd love you to join. So if you just look up Love Sport, that'd be fantastic. Um, get me at Paul underscore football on Twitter, John at Lambic Peach, and Pete at Pete Novikowski, spelt with a W. This is the Love Sport Podcast. Back. Uh, thank you for actually staying with us after our 20-minute dissection briefly of the EPL and Champions League. John and Pete, my co-hosts, we have got our jersey brackets really happening, John. Are, are you starting to get excited? <clears throat> well, I'm excited, but I'm also a little bit sad towards the back end of a World Cup and there's only like four games to go and you you go, oh, what am I going to do with my time rather than those little montages that I've been putting together? I'll have to do stuff like mow the lawn during the school holidays. Mate, the, <laughs> the montages you've put together have been fantastic, actually. So we'll look at doing that for a few other things down the track and um, we might put it in with, um, yeah, you've got a couple of little ones, like the best mustachioed players. We might do a bit of a mini draw on one of those. Um, nice. Anyway. But and a couple other little ideas because it's really captured people, this one. So this week on Twitter and Facebook in, in various spots, um, we put up our next three brackets and we put them in one go for people to have a look at. And that seemed to really um, get received well. So we had second seed, Fiorentina, representing um, the Serie A versus the number 15 seed, I believe, uh, Western Sydney Wanderers. Um, for me personally, I, I think that that purple coloured Fiorentina shirt is is an absolute ripper. I think it's it's worthy of being a second seed uh, anywhere. 
Um, what are your guys' thoughts on that? I, I found it really interesting, and in a lot of the comments online coming from people about were very positive about the the Wanderers kit, as obviously I have been, because these are the only two um, final three that I put together myself. Yep. Yep. Um, so I, I've got a little bit invested in this particular um, playoff game here. Funny that the Flamengo jersey didn't get a lot of love online. Mm. Um, it's basically the the um, the Place de Naissance, as they say in France, the birthplace of the of the Wanderers jersey, because it's the most of that. I, I that or Essendon, I'm pretty sure it's um, Flamengo. I think the Fiorentina, the Batistuta, Fiorentina. To me, I, I seeded Serie A number two overall because I believe that as a competition, I would have put them one, but we're going to have a lot of EPL fans. I think they've got the best jerseys in, in world sport. But um, with all that Italian panache and like the designers and all that, Fiorentina was my personal favourite, but there was a lot of love online for the Wanderers. I'm going to punt for Fiorentina. Battistuta, long hair, float. I love Argentinian dudes, but can you do a Battistuta impersonation for us, Paul? Oh, there's no way on God's earth. Right, go, um, for it, go, go for it, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, my tip here is uh, I'm going to show that it's Fiorentina uh, is my vote because the thing is there are only 18 teams in world football who wear purple as their uh, as their primary colour for the kits. It's it, it's a rare thing. The the colour purple itself symbolises royalty. It symbolises pride. Um, there, there's such a cool story behind uh, why Fiorentina wear purple. The idea yep. is that, you know, they originally had a red and white half-and-half half type kit that when it was washed in, a, in the Arno River, it, it turned purple. And, yes. <laughs> and that the, the team suddenly decided, that's it, we're going to wear purple from now on. I, I think that a, a story like that just gives it so much more, so much more oomph towards it. Um, and the thing is, like, as good as the Wanderers red and black is, it seems uh, it seems almost too forced. It seems like they like it was um, it was forced upon them to have these colours, and it was uh, the name was almost forced upon them. It was like it it, it just seems um, it just didn't seem real enough when when the club was really being formed and when the colours were being designed and whatnot. So for me, Fiorentina gets the vote, and Fiorentina should progress. The online, so on our own um, group, our page, on Twitter feeds and so forth, it was virtually 50-50. So that says a lot about the Wanderers jersey that it, that even had the chance to compete against Fiorentina. I hear what you're saying. Um, Pete, you might have a little bit of Smurf bias there. I'm not quite sure. But it's a jersey if you see, like in Brisbane, if I see a Wanderers jersey, I know it's a Wanderers jersey. So that to me is a very strong jersey. But I don't know, but John, it's it's yours, but our three votes have all gone Fiorentina. It was a 50-50 call. I would say that Serie A, Fiorentina has to go through. You know, I think they have to advance um, purely on the discussions that we've had now. This is, this, this is not – it's not necessarily, oh, my God, if it gets voted online, that gets over the line. has to be a, a little bit of a discussion. We've got some – very tight rules coming in for the quarterfinals. Yep. Because, um, like the betting authorities, there was a bit of a run on on bets about this bracket online, as you saw the um, and like the the, AR, the Australian rugby union stealing our idea and all the rest of it. So 
we've got to we've got to nut that down. But at this stage, look, I'm telling you, Fiorentina's going through regardless. Yep, Fiorentina's through. So let's get on to the uh, the next one, and um, we had uh, France uh, La Française um, Le Bleu uh, jersey uh, up against is it Villam? How do I how do I say this one, Pete? Uh, William Dwarf. Okay, there we go. Um, bit of a surprise contender, but a really nice to see that kind of jersey come through. Um, you know, one that people may not have been aware of. So it, it, something with this jersey bracket, it's opened up people's um, ideas of different jerseys. And I, th- and I hope that at the end of all of this, that that's what people take away from it. The history of jerseys, why they are what they are, and, and they can go and do their own exploration. Um, but I must say... This one also is really, really tight. And mm. it's it, it, from everything that I've counted through, France rugby is about 47% to 53 So that's an upset in itself um, for a jersey that a, a lot of people may not have known. In seeding, it's probably exactly, you know, it's very close, isn't it? Seventh seed, the France rugby jersey up against Pete. How do we say it again, sorry? William. William Trois. <laughs> William, William, try. I'm, gosh, I'm struggling. Uh, but, um, yeah, so from the crowd's perspective, um, uh, I'm going to keep mucking it up. Willem's definitely in front. Um, and I'm going to go for that reason because I just did not want the French rugby jersey to go through. And I think that um, it's pretty boring. Well, fair enough. It's an interesting one because the thing is, uh, Willem Toir's uh, home kit was actually voted the most beautiful football kit in the history of the Eredivisie between 1958 to 1967. So it's interesting that, uh, you know, a bit of a resurgence come 2021 uh, and we could potentially see it uh, deemed one of the, the most beautiful football kits uh, or at least one of the most beautiful kits going around at the moment. Uh, in, in terms of the France rugby kit, we, we get it. The fact that the blue jersey, it basically... It shows uh, solidarity and assistance towards veterans. And, yeah. you know, it's meant to show the history of France. We get that. We love that. It's honourable. It's beautiful. But that said, it's I, – I don't know what it is about rugby kits, but to me, they're just far too plain. And there's no, you know, there's no depth to these kits. Um, the depth comes from the game itself rather than being from the, what's being worn. And so with that in mind, uh, Willem Toi it, it has to get my vote. And, you know, we get the, the Dutch, the Netherlands uh, colours uh, for me, progresses. Well, certainly one of the most sizes I had putting together for both of these guys. Um, and I ended up putting Subudio kits on. Subudio. On, yep. Which I, I really love. That. I thought they looked fantastic. But... Every time I Google Willem Tway, I end up with pictures of Kaiser Wilhelm and I couldn't get anything with them in their jerseys. Um, <laughs> so um, we did that and, yeah, that was good. Look, a couple of things about rugby jerseys. I love rugby jerseys. I think one of the things that I particularly like rugby, NRL and rugby jerseys because they're so goddamn good to wear when you used to go to parties and you could just like – and wear them through winter, you wear them in bed, you do anything you want with them. They're so nice. I never was in love with the France kit. What I'll say about um, rugby and, and the fact that, Pete, you say that the kids are playing, I get that. I kind of love that tradition. They never tinkered with them really mm. until just recently. And you know, I like 
England was all white. Uh, Wales is in all is all scar, um, scarlet. Yep. Uh, um, I think when we come to do the bracket for the home team standing at home doing the national anthem, the French rugby union team doing a Marseillaise at Parc de Prince is going to be hard to knock out of the top 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 two. Um, you know, when everyone's grabbing, the good thing about rugby kids, you can grab each other at the huddle really hard. Uh, but I did say the first time I saw Willem's jersey that I actually fell straight in love with it because it's different. And I do like the size of the stripes, the up and down. Yeah, yeah. And I like the colour combinations. There's a subtle change there with the blue and the green year to year. Sometimes I have one that looks like a Fluminense shirt. Um but for me, I was always going to be voting for the Eredivisie here. Um, not because I don't like the France Rugby Union jersey. I actually wanted to vote for the rugby jersey because, you know, it's a game that's close to my heart. Yep. But I'm voting for it purely based on the fact that I reckon the Wilhelm jersey is the one that's grabbed my imagination most of the ones that I wasn't really across before from when people lodged their teams. Yep. It's the one I like best. And for that, I'm voting for them. And they will go through and play for your return in a quarterfinal matchup. That's that's a fantastic one, and 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 I think that the the reactions it got really surprised me. They, they did. It was I wouldn't say it was significant, a six percent swing, but it was still, you know, just a, a, a relatively unknown team for those outside of the world game. People really love the jersey. So once again, this jersey bracket is bringing jerseys and so forth to people's attention. Um, so our final one. In this round is um, the LA Chargers, formerly the San Diego Chargers, up against Celtic. And a really good matchup, this one. So the third seed against the 14th seed, which was the Scottish Premier League. And just from the crowd, um, the crowd perspective here, Celtic was an absolute runaway. I, I, we barely got a vote uh, at all for the um, LA team. The Chargers, and it might be that they're just not well known. I think it's a nice kit; it's a really nice kit, but just not well known. Um, personally, myself, based on the two, I'm a flip of the coin because they're both beautiful jerseys. Um, if I had to vote right now, which I do, I actually would go the Chargers. That'll be my vote, just because I think it's a gorgeous jersey. That if I didn't have a team of my own, I would go out and buy that one. All right, well, I think we'll let Pete be the casting vote here because it's one all on the crowd, the crowd and you. Um, I, for me, this is a very difficult one. The Celtic jersey is close to my heart. Yeah, NFL jerseys, I also think they rank number three and for a reason um, because they're a super strong competition. I think we're starting to see as the jersey thing plays out is that I think we've got a lot of people following our podcast who are football first. And, yep. you know, as a person who loves football, obviously, as well, I can see how that would happen. Um, I think the – did you pick both of these brackets, Pete? I believe so. Yeah. I'll um, go with um, – man, you know, I never thought I'd be in this position. It's like No, not, no I know what you mean. It's like having to um, – I don't know, like because I've got a I've got a ton of Celtic jerseys hanging up in my in my garage, so, uh, and we wear them all the time. Um, I'm going to go with Celtic. Pete, 
I am quite literally just going to flip a coin here live on the show. So if it's heads, it's LA. If it's tails, it's Celtic. So there's my flip, and it's a heads. So LA Chargers gets my vote. And they go through to face someone else. There you go. Now, that's a bit of an upset. It might cause a bit of controversy in the crowd, but we'll tighten up the rules for the next slot. So um, I, I tell you what, though, two beautiful jerseys, well matched up against each other, those two, I thought. Because it really, what Pete just did is, is literally what I was doing, looking at them. I was just looking at both. And I've never owned an LA jersey because I'm a Dolphins fan. But that Celtic jersey, I've owned plenty of them. Um, and it really was, which one would I wear today? And it would, I'd be chucking on that, uh, that Chargers jersey today. It's just a gorgeous looking top. Okay. So, right. So well, we... I've, I do have some news for you, Paul. Some late yes, news mate. here coming in from our New York bureau as the fans are starting to invade the rooms and try to burn the studios down with um, the Chargers going through. There is one more matchup to be decided before we go to the quarters. Yep. And it's one that the reason that I held it back. Um, was because I was afraid we weren't going to have a jersey from outside of football. And this is an all-outside-of-football matchup. It's the 6th-ranked New York Yankees against the 11th-ranked Western Bulldogs for the final place. They're going to make a decision now as to what goes through. Yankees. Iconic. Absolutely world-iconic jersey. World-iconic. That's it. Which one, the pinstripe or the grey? It has to be the pinstripe, doesn't it? Pinstripe for for absolutely all the money. It has to be. It's one of the most iconic jerseys the world's ever seen. For it not to go through against the Bulldogs, which is, they've had some beautiful iterations and and they change their jerseys a lot, I think would be a major shock. And and, yeah, it'd be one of the ones I wouldn't be happy with. And I'm a Mets fan. I hate the Yankees, but you've, you've got to acknowledge that jersey. Do you think that the Yankees go into the quarterfinals as a chance of winning or as a getting kicked to the curb? No, I think they're a massive chance of winning because the people, whilst we are for all people, a lot of the people on this podcast, it's going to come down to that icon, you know, that kind of iconic. Um, if you could name a jersey in the world that you just saw walking past, I think they're going to be right up there. I'd be pretty confident if we put this one out to a fan vote anyway that the Yankees would walk it in. Um, Pete, what do you think? Yankees for me, just clean and simple. Like, uh, you can't go wrong with the pinstripes. Okay, well, I've got to say, I thought the Western Bulldogs wasn't close to being the best AFL jersey anyway, so um, I couldn't put that through in front of the Yankees. So that's our final quarterfinal matchup sorted. And believe it or not, there will be an American different sport into the semifinals because the final quarterfinal matchup will be the sixth mm-hmm. rank. Um, Major League Baseball New York Yankees against the third rank. Talk about a heavyweight, cl- heavyweight clash. NFL LA Chargers. And I think we'll play that game. New York LA, I think we'll play it in Wichita, Kansas. Yeah, I like it. Let's do that. Uh, they'll be jealous. There's no red there, but anyway. Um, Nessa. Nessa is into the Ashes squad this afternoon. Pat Cummings ruled out. Oh, is he? Pat Cummings is out. Pat Cummings ruled out. It was a COVID scare over the COVID scare over the past uh, 30-odd hours. Uh, he's a close contact of a positive COVID case. Um, now, that's with Josh Hazelwood and, and, and uh, Pat Cummings now ruled out. That really uh, evens up the, uh, the tests there a little bit. 
but pink ball test at the Adelaide Oval. What? This is going to be amazing watching. I, I can't imagine many people will not be watching the next few nights of test cricket. Michael Deese is a Queenslander from the Gold Coast, played for Dolphins here. How's this, though? I mean, if he was playing for England, everyone would lose their stuff. He's from Pretoria. So there's actually more South African-born players in the Australian side with Flavis Gagney and Michael Nisa than there is in the England team. I, I love the so way he bowls. Of course, a big, oh, massive deal about that. Like, everyone always yeah. does every time it happens with England. If you want to, I've never gone down that. I, I think whoever you end up uh, choosing to play for um, says a lot about where cricket's at. I, I'm not someone who goes into that. If you can remind me when I have, um, have I done that to you? No, come on, mate. You, you, you have to be kidding that you haven't heard that happen before. I'm oh, simply, no, no, no. I'm simply no. looking at the fact going, I didn't even realise he was – I always thought he was a, a Gold Coaster, which mm-hmm. he is. Like, but his family's from Pretoria. You know what? It's a, it's a sign of the diversity of the Australian cricket team that they're bringing those guys in. But I'm just saying, if, it was, if he was rushed into the England squad as a South African, everyone would be keeled over laughing. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying from my point of view, I never have gone into that narrative and I can only speak for myself. Um, I hear what you're saying, but I just haven't because we had guys like Kepler Vessels and so forth play for us many years ago. I've never really given a crap. If you choose to play for a country and that's who you're going to wear your badge for the rest of your life, I, I've never cared. Um, well, good luck I, for a huge day today. I love the way he bowls. I think he's perfectly... Um, uh, positioned with the, the pink ball. It can move the ball both ways. So it's going to be a fantastic series. I don't know who's going to win this test. Um, you could easily say whoever adapts better to the pink ball. The, the toss is massive. When I have to say this about the first test. and When we did our last podcast, it was only after day one. Um, the batting from England throughout, apart from one day, was atrocious. And the, 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 the final day where they collapsed and lost eight wickets, and what it, by that stage become a a very good place to play cricket at the Gabba on that morning. The sun's out. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a diabolical morning of Test cricket. And um, it's you know what they they dropped Mark Wood to bring in two great fast bowlers. Mark Wood bowled really well to Gabba, so um, it's an interesting change. They had to do it. It's funny the bowlers are, are are wearing the 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 blame for what the batsmen put them into during the first match. Um, England have to bat better. If they win the toss, they have yep. to be two or three down when the pink ball comes out or they will be gone. And if they get the ball in their hand, they have. To, I'm sure they'll bowl well. I well, think I'll tell you. it's England's test. Is It's there. This was their plan, was to yep. get out of Brisbane. They always assume there's a chance you're going to lose that test. They want to go to Adelaide. They have to strike and they have to win there to keep the asses alive. I think it's a great thing for Nessa to come into this test team with the pink ball because he can swing it both ways. He takes a little bit of the pace off the ball and gives us something different. But how's this, right? Um, the close contact was at a restaurant. Now, um, if, if a couple of the other players were, a couple of the other Aussies were there and a few others were going to join. So Lyon and Stark were at the restaurant and a few others were going to join and didn't. Lyon and Stark sat outside uh, at a separate table outdoors. If they had been inside, we would have seen um, Cummings out, Stark out, Lyon out. Wow. No, not joking. I, no, I, no exaggeration. I, I, I didn't know no, you didn't know that. Cummings, was there? Has that just come down this morning? I've not heard. That's the first uh, I heard of it. Yeah, it was about the last 24 hours they, they were trying to see if he could still play, but uh-huh. he's, been, he's been ruled out, I think, an hour or two ago. So, um, And then almost Lyon and Stark. Imagine the difference in the test then. 
Brian Stark, Cummings, you know, pulled all out. You would have to think, though, that that's one of the – be a, you think, oh, initially that's a great thing for England, but that's the kind of thing that uh, is almost the worst-case scenario because you've got everything to lose then. You, yeah, you yeah, that, yeah. You're going to have to really nail this. And if things don't go right, hey, what if it rains for four days? You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like nothing happens. Like, wow. I wouldn't – it's not that. And Warner's, Warner, with his injury scare, is playing. Um, so, look, it's going to be hardest. I, I'm more excited about this second test than I was the first at the Gabba, even though it was a local test for me. I just – the day-night with the pink ball, I think we're going to see more and more of that happen. Whilst traditionalists may not want it, I do see that that's the way it's going to go in the, in, over the next few decades. It's going to allow people to um, come after work. It's going to get the TV viewing. It's going to get a whole heap of different things. So whether we like change or not, um, I think we're going to see a lot more pink ball tests. The crowd of the Gabba was actually pretty good. I mean, they get slated oh, a lot course. for the crowd of the Gabba. It was pretty good. And you know why? Because that, I think that subtle change of starting days actually works really well. It's quite smart to yeah, um, start yeah. early in the week um, and everyone was pumped. And obviously there's a lot of people taking sick days uh, and going to work, not going to work. But, gee, the, the crowd when we were there on Friday was in, still in great form. And, yeah, Saturday, obviously, same again. So it was good. Well, I think the um, you know, I, I definitely think they would have sold out the first three days at Adelaide Oval at fifty-two thousand capacity, but it's been reduced, I believe, still under COVID reduction. Uh, reduction. So interesting there. Um, look, I I expect Australia will win, but I don't think it's going to be the whitewash by any um, or a pink wash by any kind of stretch. <laughs> I'm just looking at Facebook and I saw Sean, uh, our friend Sean's. <laughs> Facebook update. Finally, some good COVID news. Cummins out. <laughs> there you go. You know where well, he's he going. Needs, well, he needs, uh, he needs good news after his team got done 7-0 yesterday. So, yeah, um, yeah in Bielsa we trust. And, uh, hey, Pete, just going back to Bielsa for a second, mate. I don't think Leeds want to get rid of him because in a previous um, managerial role, um, I believe he brought out a grenade to ultras at one stage. <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. Uh, what happened was where, this was when he was coaching at Newell's Old Boys over in Argentina. <laughs> uh, his team had just got done 6-0. Ultras turned up at his house. And Marcelo Bielsa turned up um, wearing his pyjamas at his front door, holding a grenade in his hand with his other hand holding onto the pin, saying, are you sure you want to talk to me? Um, and the ultras started running down the street, and which Bielsa is reported to have been screaming out of his door, are you sure you don't want to talk? Are you sure you don't want to stay? So oh, That's um, one of my greatest managerial stories I've ever heard about. I, I, I was reading about it a while back, and then I revisited it after the 7-0 uh, yesterday morning. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he's the type of guy that you really want to um, upset by any means. So um, who, get, who gets the sack him? <laughs> Yeah, Luke. What's it, uh, what's under that bucket? You just, you don't want to know. Oh, is gosh, it a wish bucket. I reckon that bucket is uh, rigged full of explosives or something. You get rid of me, the bucket's coming out. But, yeah, uh, anyway. Luke, when, when he wants to go, he'll go. When he's ready, he'll go. That's it. <laughs> There's so many amazing characters come out of Argentinian sport, hey? As oh, talking, my God. Talking earlier on about um, Simeone, or Simeone, and he... I mean, the only reason I like watching Atletico is to I, I, I watching him. Yeah, he doesn't you know, show emotion much, though, does he? But you, you know, yeah, you never know what's <laughs> going to happen. He's um, 
he's that kind of dude. Uh, this com- uh, Bielsa seems to be nowhere near as combustible as some of the others. But then when you pull out a trick like that, then you can move up into a top three seeding, can't you? Oh, Simi- I-, I can imagine Simeone, there's a breakaway. He's t- it's one all. There's a breakaway. I can imagine him running on the pitch and doing a scissor kick uh, tackle uh, from the managerial spot. I, I really could see him doing that one day. I'm not shocked at all. Let's put that down in a podcast review when it happens <laughs> next year. So, boys, going to be going to be a good test. We'll finish off, um, not finish off, but kind of finalise the pot a little bit with a little bit of NFL. Starting to really shape up now, and it's it's scary because I think we're going to have a few teams in contention with a lot of history. I think Green Bay, obviously, is going to be right up there. I think the Chiefs are really back in the hunt. Um, they take on uh, the Chargers tomorrow. If they get that, they'll be 10-4 and four after having a shocking start to the season. Um, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, with all his controversies, has just gone, I don't give a hoot. And he's just playing football. Um, big talk, he'll be at Denver next year. Why he would do that would be insane. Um, and... The real surprising team, and I, I want to, someone to tell me this is not a surprise. The Pats are nine and four with a rookie quarterback, Mac Jones. Tell me that's not one of the stories of the year. It's one of the stories of the year. <laughs> He's just a brilliant coach. And then, and then you've got the Cowboys who've had a couple of stumbles. They're on nine and four as well. It's really shaping up as the heavyweights that we've wanted for many years. I'm really liking what I'm seeing here. I'd like to hear from a neutral's perspective what Pete thinks um, about the way it's shaking out, if he's got any thoughts on on where it's heading with these bigger teams. It seems that a couple of... I know that his bills, I've watched them very closely the last couple of weeks, and I don't know, but I don't believe you can win in the, in the NFL if you can't run the ball, and they're not even trying. And it's costing no. them... Because I think no. the quarterback's still playing pretty good. Oh, well, I think the quarterback's doing what he can do. But, Pete, um, your thoughts yeah. there, mate? I, I just think that the Bills have kind of lost their way. They've, uh, they're trying to overcomplicate too many things. And, they, yeah, they've lost momentum. They've lost their way. Things just aren't really going the way that they should. So, um, as plain and simple as, as John just explained it, you can't get your points unless you're going to get some runs. And the thing is, you've just got to get, you, you get the yardage. So and that's really 100%. Simple. Now, that, that's really interesting that you said that because the Chiefs have got a running game back. So Pat Mahomes not having his best season ever, but Chiefs seem to be able to run the ball and they've got a good defense. Pats have got a really good defense. They're doing simple stuff with Mac Jones and they've got a really good running game at the moment. Their O-line's really protecting them. Cowboys have got their running game back. Um, Green Bay's got a really good mix between the run and the pass. I think it's about a... 53-47, something along that, which is what you want there, John. Do you agree? You, you want a bit of... You the, want a, the, one you want a... punch, the one-two punch between AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones is just one of the best things that happened to Green Bay. You're talking about Aaron Rodgers going to Denver because of team building issues and stuff like that. Where he thinks he's going to find another team that's going to be able to, one, get rid of all its draft picks, provide him with a great running game, provide him with one of the best wide receivers in the game in in um, in, in Adams. Uh, a, an offensive line that's really making things happen. I'm telling you, the difference in Green Bay this year is the, is the defense. And especially the defense on 
down in the um, safety and in the corners. And our best yep. safety and corners been out all year. And we're still making plays. And it's super exciting to watch. So, I, I also, everyone knows that Packers are a big chance of getting to the championship game. We've got to get over that hump. The team that still fascinates me is back over in your AFC is that I've there's rumours coming out that the Tennessee Titans are going to get the big fella back for the playoffs. Yes. Now, I think if they can do that and they're obviously going to win their division, they're a chance of winning everything. Well, it's interesting you say that because the Titans, um, Pete's just dropped out for some reason. The Titans are nine and – oh, here we go. He's back in. We lost you there for a sec, Pete. Yep, sorry. All back in. All good. The Titans are really going under the radar because they're nine and four without the big man. If they can, you know, break even um, 12, if they can go, you know, what, there's 17 games if year. If they can be 12 and five and they've got the Steelers this week, which they should win, they're, they're in good position. The Rams are back in contention again and we've still got the Bucks on 10 and three and they're not playing their best football and have a lot of players coming back come playoff time. This is going to be, Literally every playoff game could actually be good this year. This could be the first time in a long time there's really good teams playing the playoffs. Very like, exciting. You know, mate, say that, like knock on wood, tap everything that you possibly can, mm-hmm. all your lucky charms. Like, mate, don't, don't, don't spread any bad bit, like juju by saying that too early, that's for sure. Well, this, <laughs> in the last few years... We don't want another great game that knocks the play out. The thing is, though... Um, the NFL the last few years, when the playoffs have come around, you know, it has in early in the early games have been pretty bad because there's been some shocking teams that have made it into the uh, like I think the NFC East has been a horrendous uh, division for a long time. It's the East is with the Cowboys and everything, right? Am I wrong there? Um, yeah. But but this year, everyone who looks like contending in in each uh, division are good. And that has well, if, if they if they had to play the playoffs this week, it'd be Buffalo at Tennessee. It'd be the Char- the Chargers at Kansas City. Another great game. And um, oh no, the city not so hot there. And the Chargers at Baltimore, and that's pretty good. And then in the NFC, if they were to do the same thing, I think I think the uh, the NFC's got three standout teams. Yep. And I'm going to be a little bit controversial here. Because I don't mm-hmm. think one of them is necessarily the Cardinals. I'm I'm thinking that um, the standout. I'm I'm expecting Dallas to firm up and get into the top, the top three placings, and maybe Arizona have a little bit of a fall away here. Um, but it would be Washington um, playing Tampa now. Washington can win that game. The 49 oh. at the Cards and the and the Rams at Cowboys and. The Rams at Cowboys, that'd be a, that's one to stay up for. What was the other game? You said Washington playing who? Tampa. No way on God's earth Washington get anywhere close to Tampa, mate. Tampa's getting all their... No, Defence up front. Tampa's getting their players back, mate. They, they've been playing the last few weeks with a lot of players missing, and, and I think Washington are just awful. Washington but, hey, won their first game last year. God, they're, they're, they're the reason that the playoffs should not be extended. Um, but it, look, the NFL's been exciting. Uh, well, the Vikings, and I tell you what, I'd rather the full than Mike Zimmer. I don't want them getting that last playoff game and death ride them every week. 
I don't think there's been a podcast that we've done in the past 12 months that Mike Zimmer hasn't come up uh, at least <laughs> for three Zimmer. or four seconds. You know what? He, he, can, he can totally blow this again this year and they can give him another contract so he can have a, a 0.46 winning percentage. It's like perfect for me and never going to win anything. Well, this is there's two games coming up this week, which is one of the reasons why there's drafts and so forth. Okay, you got the Texans playing the Jags. Oh my God, two two and eleven teams, and then you've got the New York Jets playing the Dolphins. Um, they're two games that should not be on anyone's TV at all. Can I take you back in time to one question? I'd just like to leave the podcast, but this is my parting thought on that type of question. On the NFL overall, a few years ago, the New York Giants were picking very high up in the draft. Yep, and they took Saquon Barkley as their running back as their as their top top draft pick. Yep, and at the time, people were like, oh my god, you know, the, a mistake or not? I think over a long period of time, that's been shown to be a terrible mistake. And I don't care. I've never seen Saquon Barkley win a game for the Giants, and I can't remember them ever being as irrelevant as they are today. And not being irrelevant enough, though, to get a top five or six draft pick and get the quarterback they ever want. Yep. So was there a question there, or was that a statement? No, it's a point. You want to be careful you come in the draft. <laughs> like, I mean, how Jacksonville have been down the bottom of been the top of the draft for years, and they're not going anywhere. No. You have to use the draft correctly. You've got a one shot at it. You want to get it right. You don't want to be picking there every year. Um, because it just doesn't work out. So, look, the Which Packers, that the, the the Patriots have never had a top top ten draft pick for thirty years. Well, well, with with uh, running back uh, Pete, you want to choose a running back in the second or third round. Okay, they they, they don't last more than two point eight years as the average for a running back in the league. Um, and whilst you can get brilliant ones like Derek Henry, um, he's once in a generational kind of running back. Um, but, but so you're really choosing running backs in your first round, I think is insane. That's just my point of view there. I was just giving Pete a bit of insight there. The running backs are great, but um, I think what John said before about a couple of teams having one, two hits, you've got to have two or three running backs that you can rotate through. You have power ones, you have fast ones, and you use Cat- them as a weapon. Yep, the catching running backs are really coming into the game, so... Anyway, that's the NFL, guys. Um, I'll throw it over to you before we finish. Um, John, anything more that you want to talk about in the world of sport? Well, this time last year when we did our podcast at 11.30, my house flooded. So I'm oh, thankful God. for the um, – remember that? I'm thankful I, for the I work do. that's been done and that, um, you know, that that's all hopefully finished and it's not running today. So we got through today's podcast unscathed, the 11.30 time slot. A bit dangerous, but we've done it. So thank you, boys. Thank you, John. And uh, Pete, final word on the podcast, mate? Uh, two things to mention. First up is Sergio Aguero has retired from football with heart conditions. Uh, yeah. So incredibly sad that uh, he's had to hang up his boots. But uh, arguably one of the best strikers of the Premier League's modern era. Uh, just a sensational footballer and incredibly sad that he's uh, had to retire so early. Um, and then final word is the fact that we've just had a, um, a really big investment in terms of uh, the A-Leagues, the Osuzu Ute A-League men's as well as the Liberty A-League women's. A whole lot of money being pumped in. 
the biggest thing now is just going to make sure that he gets put in the right areas with the right people managing things. And I actually find it really, really interesting and progressive that uh, Danny Townsend is stepping away from his role as the mm. uh, the boss of Sydney FC to focus purely on the Australian Premier League. So I think that that is a huge positive step um, for the competition and uh, for how this investment is going to go for the future. So lots of positives. Um, we just uh, we just hope that things do end up going the way that we we want them to, and that things uh, progress the way that we we wish them to. Absolutely. Well, look, a special shout out for my local club, the Brisbane Raw. Yes, you can call them Redcliffe Raw. Um, this week, they've copied some of the European teams um, and they're asking everyone, it's a double header, men and women, starting uh, the women at 4.30 minute, uh, sorry, 3.40 minute, uh, 6.30. They're asking everyone to bring a soft teddy or toy um, that we're going to throw on the pitch before the game. It's going to be collected for salvos and different um, charities, much what they do in Spain with certain teams. And so everyone, I encourage anyone who's going out this Saturday afternoon, be generous. I'm going to buy a couple of teddies and, and I'm going to throw them on the pitch myself. And, and please, anyone who's there, if there's seven or 8,000, if we could all get a teddy out there, it would be an amazing thing for those kids in need. And it could be the little bit of love that they need to um, move on in their life. Yeah, that's good, mate. Hey, I tell you what, just before we go... Sergio Aguero, fourth all-time on the list of Premier League goal scorers with 184 from 275 games. Interestingly, two Newcastle players in the top three, Alan Shearer, and you know who the other one is, don't you? I was going to say, uh, oh, no, I'll get it wrong. I'll get it Pete? wrong. Pete? Go for it. Uh, Andy. Andy Carroll? Andy Cole, the other Newcastle player. Andy Cole. I was going to say, Andy Cole. Was going to say it couldn't be Carroll. Um, I, I saw him limping around the other day um, playing in the championship, and it was really sad to watch someone barely be able to move. Um, so I, I did feel for him. I want to say one thing about uh, Conaguero is, has there ever been a player that's more universally liked? Like, I don't think anyone dislikes that man. It's a hard question to answer. I, I just... I don't know anyone who I don't know anyone who dislikes him. But anyway, guys, this has been the Love Sport Podcast. Les Ferdinand. Gone... Oh, good call. We've gone jerseys, John. We've gone NFL. Sure. We've gone EPL. We've gone Champions League. We've done the lot. It'll be under an hour by the time we've edited it. So we uh, we hope that you guys can join us on the Love Sport Podcast on Facebook. Uh, there is also a Facebook group. It's really getting nice traction there, guys. So please put an invite through. We'll accept you. There's some good sporting discussions from all sorts of sports, whether it's NFL. Thanks for joining us on the Love Sport Podcast. Hope you had a bit of fun. You can always give us some podcast ideas on Love Sport at Twitter, or you can do it on the Love Sport Podcast group on Facebook or our page. Get us at Love Sport Podcast in those ways. Alternatively, get me at Paul underscore football. John at Lambic Peach and Pete at Pete Nowakowski. This is, was and always will be the Love Sport Podcast.